Hey folks, we have some exciting news for you all. We have just launched a brand new company founded on the tenets of our love as a business strategy philosophy, the same philosophy that you've grown to know and love. This new venture is called Culture Plus. Culture Plus is a culture as a service company that provides training experiences, consulting services, and digital tools to help companies achieve high performing and high reliability cultures and teams. To learn more, visit culture-plus.com. That's culture-plus.com. And now let's get to the show. Today's episode is a conversation with Adet Contreras, a CEO and entrepreneur who runs two different companies at once. We dig into how she approaches culture in her roles. And specifically, we talk about the importance of genuine empowerment in order to be successful. It's an extra relatable episode for anyone who works in a service-based industry. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we wanna to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma, and today I'm joined with co-host and co-author, partner in crime, Frank Dana. How's it going, Frank? Jeff's going so good. Thank you so much for asking. Is that your intimate voice? Like you're kind of... Thank you, Jeff. There we go. I, I listen to it, yeah. <laughs> and that voice you hear on the show today is someone we had the incredible pleasure of being joined by, co-founder and CEO at Tinsel Experiential Design, also the founder at In Wild Pursuit, Adet Contreras. Adet, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I normally give a much longer introduction, but there's a lot of amazing things you've done. I wanted to actually give you a chance to talk about some of that yourself. Um, but before that, we do an icebreaker. Come on. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. I thought, you were, gonna forget. I thought you were going to forget, and here you are with it. I'm not going to forget. Stretches. Okay. Uh, <sighs> I'm going to ask a simple question. You'll both get the same question. I make Frank go first. You have all his time every, to prepare that. Every time. So, Frank, today's question is, what's something specific you're looking forward to in 2022? There is an NFT that's dropping in mid to late January oh called Invisible Friends. And it'll probably be the first NFT that I mint with my own money. I've gotten some airdrops for other cryptos that I can use to mint some NFTs, but this will be one that I'm actually putting money into. It's got a great team, incredible, um, incredible design and artwork. So that's definitely something I'm looking forward to in the very early stages of 2022. Jeff, thank you so much for asking. If there were an audio-only version of the eye roll, I would <laughs> execute it now. If you're on the video, you anyways. Adet, what are you looking forward to in 2022? I couldn't eye roll because Frank was so excited about it that I'm like, oh, oh, he's like, I cannot you know, wait. Were, I, I'm, yeah, it's so you're cool. Like, yes, it's so cool. <laughs> I was so excited for you. Um, a lot similar lines. Uh, one of the best books I read recently is called Black Leopard, Red Wolf, written by Marlon James. And the second in his trilogy is coming out in February. So I'm sitting here like, tick tock, tick tock, it's December, books coming out. Um, he wrote another book called A Brief History of Seven Killings, which I haven't yet read. Um, 
but Black Leopard, Red Wolf was was so heavy. It was kind of like a, a fever dream of a book that I, I kind of have to, you know, pace it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really looking forward to the second installment of that. Oh, good answer. All right. February. Check, February. check that out. Yeah. Well, with that aside, that back to you, can you start with uh, yourself? Tell us a little about you personally, um, away from um, a lot of people define themselves just tied directly to all the things that they've created and done. Who is a debt? It's a little challenge for you. Who are you? What's your passion? Um, okay. Uh, uh, all right. Well, I was born and raised in the Philippines. It's always such a loaded question. How do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you define yourself now? Go. Um, I was born and raised in the Philippines. Uh, so I think that was, uh, an incredibly, uh, shaping early childhood, I would say, because, it, you know, I grew up a world away and then being transplanted to the U.S. was in and of itself an, an incredibly shocking experience, right? So I moved to the U.S. I ended up attending a math and science boarding school right outside of Chicago. We were in the middle of cornfields, so nerd alert. Um, it was called the Illinois Math and Science Academy, uh, and we did a whole lot of calculus, always, always. Um, so from there, yeah, <laughs> right? Uh, I thought I was going to go into something more along the lines of math and science. And instead, I went into business where I actually met Chris Petrie. And I, that's how we met. And so the book was a particular pleasure for me, reading about his first day and all of his experiences. And I'm like, that is on brand. Yeah, you know him, right? I know that um, guy. That's, <laughs> that guy. Um, so that's where I met him. Um, and at that point, I was studying... A, for a double major, double minor, um, marketing and international business, and then Spanish literature and art and design. And so um, I think that kind of sums up a whole lot of things. Did that, does, does that state your appetite for who I am or should I? Okay. Maybe for Jeff, but for me, I want to know what, um, what kind of compelled you to move away from math and science as a focus and what drew you to the business kind of side of of learning were you like calculators got this let me do this you know like what was the ultimately i just wasn't smart enough you know like i you get to a certain level and you you test into the school and it's crazy to get in and what have you um it's you know it's a really small school uh there was an article in wired magazine a few years back calling it Hogwarts for hackers. And uh, yeah, and a bunch of the alum, you know, invented Yelp, Ask Jeeves, Match.com. Like it's it's just brainiacs go there. And there I was, you know, thought I could hold my own. And I go to school with people that are finding out new ways to splice DNA at the age of 12, 13, 14. I'm like, okay, so... uh, so I, I know how to work hard <laughs> and, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of varied interests, but when it, when it comes, when it comes down to it, you know, those, those fields and dedication into, into medicine at that point, I thought I wanted to go into um, become a neurosurgeon. It was just one of those things that that vocation is not for me. You know, I wanted mm. a little bit more of the humanities. I, I was interested in ceramics, you know, so I still throw clay, actually that's outside of work, I throw clay and work with my hands a lot and, there's design, this design part of me that I couldn't quite fulfill given the maths and the sciences. And uh, my dad is an architect actually. And he told me, whatever you do, don't go into design, don't go into art. And here I am 
kind of a designer, kind of a business person, <laughs> kind of a little bit of both, but of you it. know, all of it. Yeah. So let me, let me segue off of that. So tell us now about your works. Tell us, you know, about Tinsel, In Wild, In Wild Pursuit. Tell us what those are and, 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 and more about that, please. Sure. So I run two companies, which I, I feel like you have to be crazy to run one. So I'm doubly so. Um, but I'll, t I'll tell you the story of that in, this, in a second. But the first one is called Tinsel Experiential Design. And we design experiences and events. I actually co-founded that with two of my business partners that I also met in college with Chris. And that is going to turn 12 years old in a few months, which is insane to say. Um, the second company is a direct result of passion project and just me, again, being incredibly passionate about design and business building. So I founded a second company in 2016 called In Wild Pursuit. And it is a business strategy and design studio for purpose-led and underrepresented entrepreneurs. So it's, you know, much, much smaller. Uh, it's, it's more of a passion project than, than anything else. But um, it's one of those things that, as you'll get to know me, it, it had to be done, right? And that's part of why I named it such, in wild pursuit, because you're kind of in wild pursuit of this thing that you're so passionate about, it has to happen. Um, mm -hmm. So whether it be NFTs or... Or books, you know, in this case for me, it's design and business building. I really, uh, you know, just have to do it. I love that. Um, let me go ahead and like, you know, steer us right into the, the current here of love as a business strategy. So um, the show is always looking for kind of the, that connected tissue out in the world of, of, of business running two companies yourself, I'm really curious, um, what does, like, I guess I'll start with culture, because I, I don't need to jump to love yet, but you can, you can use that word if you want, but let's just talk about culture as you run these businesses. What is your mindset around culture? Culture is always so nebulous, right? It's, it's, such, um, it's such the buzzword that people use, and I think it's, the number one most important thing when you're building a company because at the end of the day everything else is going to fall into line if you really know one who you are two who you're surrounding yourself with right um so to talk specifically about tinfall because i think that company is really around you know it's around experiences and events and like person-to-person -person contact so what we do there is we create experiences that hopefully foster genuine human connection, right? And as we said at the top of this phone call, you know, given the super relaxing and chill two years that we've all had, <laughs> um, everyone's talking about all of this like pent up demand for in-person gatherings and experiences. And that, you know, that translates to the workplace too. People are just like eager to see their coworkers, coworkers again, to be around people, to celebrate, to, to see each other, you know, outside of a screen, which is what we're doing now, ironically. But uh, what we're actually hearing is more like pent up desperation. You know, it, it, to me, it's beyond demand now. Now people are just desperate to see each other. And so I think Tinsel and, you know, it being the larger and the more established of the two companies, it's, we're in a really unique position to be able to create those experiences that would help and safety in mind given everything that's happening right now. So for us, 
that culture really stems from the friendship that myself and my two co-founders brought into the game by founding this business together, you know, 12 years ago. And I think that type of friendship is double-edged, which is a little bit about how love is, right? It's double-edged. It could, it could get really ugly, but part of the ugliness is the beauty of being real and honest with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so that type of friendship base allows for that realness and that vulnerability and gives you space to be who you are, whether that's, you know, making a mistake or, or landing a huge win for the team in either, in either capacity. We want to make sure that that's celebrated because that's who you are and that's who you bring to the table. So I think that sense of camaraderie and that sense of humanity is something we deeply value by nature of what we do. Do you think, would you say, I guess, um, for Tinsel, since we're on that one, um, would you say that culture is like, how do you treat culture from a business perspective? Are you, um, what's your level of intentionality? Kind of what's your, your approach around it when you, when you plan for to strategize around it? What is, what is, you said you, you and two co-founders, I guess, are you all very like strategic and planning about it? Is it more organic or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a combination. And I think this is where my strategy mind comes. Strategy is limited, right? You can plan for something. And, you know, I went to undergraduate business school. So there are all these book learning things of like putting down your values, your mission vision statement. Like, yeah, great. Put that up on the wall and everybody reads it and knows what it is and put it in a handbook. But at the end of the day, how does that really affect you on a day-to-day -day level, on a decision-to-decision -decision level? And does every person on your team consistently perform with those values in mind? You know, that, so for us, it was very intentional starting it out, right? We put together our values, we put together our vision. My two business partners, we come from very diverse backgrounds. As I said, I grew up in the Philippines. My other business partner, she's black and grew up in Virginia. My other business partner is white, grew up in Long Island. And so the three of us together, you know, we're tattooed and we just look like the United Colors of Benetton. So whenever people see us, they're like, how is it possible? And then when we tell them, oh, we met singing acapella in college, they're like, wait, what? Now? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, okay. Exa exactly. Exactly. Can, can so, you find this on YouTube anyway? Just, <laughs> just you know, I'm dating myself. I don't think that there is a video. Oh. Oh. But I'll, I'll ask around. Um, so in any case, we started out being super intentional about it and doing all of the things that B-School tells you to do, you know, check, check, check. Um, but then when it comes down to the realness, again, the realness, bringing it back to that, when it comes down to business decisions and specifically the last two years, I feel like anyone that is in a company, owns a company, works around a company, it was, you know, crisis management 101 it was a crash course in it right and so now your values are really put to the test right mm -hmm. like how do you function how do you keep the business afloat how do you take care of your people how do you take care of yourself how how does that all tie into each other and so for us with the three of us luckily enough and this is by pure luck we each have different strengths and so the three of us came together but as luck would have it, we each fixate in culture in different ways. So for example, I fixate on it sort of on a philosophical level and asking people like, well, what do you want? What's your purpose? 
you know, why, why are you here? How can tinsel help you to your next step in life? You know, cause to me, it, it can't be one dimensional. It just can't be just career. My business partner, Liz, who is operations and she's so strong at the execution and getting stuff done. You know, she's like, who do people go to when they're sick? Right? Like, how do they know who to approach for a day off? What if they need a longer leave? Like, it's all very operationally minded, but that to me is testament to how she cares about someone, right? Like being able to support someone and being having clear protocols for that. And then my third business partner, um, she focuses on more of the, the morale and the social aspect of it because she she's our people person. She's literally homecoming queen. Um, and she is, you know, not coincidentally our salesperson as well. <laughs> and she she just loves people. She's so strong with people and she is so attuned to um, you know, emotional intelligence in a way that is a really big strength for us. So between the three of us, it's it's just naturally how we lean and then we check each other too. Right, because sometimes, you know, we we each we're, we're all human, right? So it's really important that to have partners that sort of see you for who you are and then aren't afraid to tell you when you when you need telling. Yeah, that's I really yeah, that's that's really cool, and it it's it definitely speaks to the idea of, or maybe maybe it's the the question of does does relationship create high performance? Or does our ability to perform at a high level create relationship? And it sounds like for you, it started as a relationship and it sort of naturally flowed into high performance. But I'm wondering, you know, how can, how can business leaders begin to build that type of environment or how, how have you seen it done? Uh, maybe the good or the bad where those relationships are able to even further push them into high performance. I think for me, the idea of a linear path is one of the greatest fallacies we tell young people. And I am a victim of this, right? As again, an immigrant daughter, you go to high school, you get into college, you choose your path at 18 and you know exactly what you're gonna do. And you get your job in there and then you get promoted, 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 letter, 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 whatever. And it's just not true. You know, I don't know anyone that's really had a linear path into what they're doing or finding their love for that matter, right? right. And to me, love in relation to high performance and relationship in relation to high performance, I think it's all intermingled. And so where I'm going with this is that I think in creating Tinsel and in founding Tinsel, Erica and I, so my business partner, that's more of the sales side. She and I came from an advertising agency. It's huge advertising agencies where it is, it's incredibly linear, right? You pick, you pick a path. If you're a creative, are you a designer? Are you a copywriter? Then you, you just right. go up that ladder. It's, it's yeah. very much like one thing. For us, part of why we built Tinsel was because we wanted the fluidity and we wanted that freedom to exercise who we were beyond just one thing. Right. So that multifaceted human is so important because then you're able to show up with all your different strengths. Right. So just you're good at in my just because I'm a designer doesn't mean I'm also not bad with finances because that's that happens to be what I do at this moment in time for my company. Um, and it's one of those situations where I see that over and over again, especially in creative people and young people that we employ. 
and allowing them to have that freedom within the company to be to be the director of their path, I think is super, super crucial. And so for us, you know, growing as a company and, and because we're a small company, we have the luxury of, of crafting ourselves and crafting a position for the person. But I also think, you know, large companies should do more of that anyway. Like you just have mm -hmm. more resources at your disposal, so why not, right? Um, but that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but for my mind one in terms of um, high performance relationship. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's it's interesting to me because what you said is so true. We we dabbled in agency life um, at mm -hmm. Softway for a little while. We kind of became an agency, a digital agency, for a little bit. And so yeah, we we were hiring folks that were coming in as copywriters or designers, and we would branch off and start working on projects that would require different skill sets. And they would be really concerned about, you know, how this is going to impact their resume because what they were worried about wasn't the getting the, the project done necessarily at that moment, what was needed for the project. They were worried about following a linear path and making sure that whatever they were working on at that moment laddered up to what they were told to do. And I feel like when you create a, when you create an environment of of high performance and those relationships are there, that trust is created. And so people are going to be a little bit more trusting and a little bit more open to experiment and explore when you have that kind of working together, right? So I definitely feel like as we went through our journey in the book that we talk about, one of the things that we did notice was that as our company culture started to turn around and go in the positive side, we started to see people open up more and bring their full selves, which meant not just what they were hired to do, but what they were passionate about doing as well. And that actual passion created higher performing teams. Like when people were able to leverage their skill sets that weren't just written down on what their resume said, that changed the game for us because our clients started to see it and go, hold on a second. We had no idea you could do that, do more of that, you know, and that, that was really profound for us. And it sounds like that's the type of that's the type of company you've built is a place where you're able to give people a chance to see themselves not as a particular skill, but as a whole person. And I think that's extremely important. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I think also now being at the stage of the career that I'm in, feeling the responsibility for our younger team members to be able to help them identify that for themselves. You know, because right. a lot of the times when you're right. I'm hired to do a thing. This is what it says. I'm going to do that. Really do well. Well. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm, I'm like going to kick ass at that and I'm going to kill it and they're going right. to promote me and it's going to be awesome. But then to your point, if you had a mentor or someone guiding you along the way, that's giving you permission to experiment, that's giving you permission yeah. and in, and calling you out on something that you're really strong at that you might not even know. Right. So on our team, uh, there's fear around sales everyone's scared of sales i'm scared of sales it's terrifying. Jeff's scared to death of sales by the way he really he really is in real life jeff is scared to death of sales i am so it's 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 one of those like four letter words in our company but at the end of the day we are a service business right what we do is provide a service for our clients so guess what everyone's in sales you know don't know See, it but you are mm, Jeff. <laughs> mm, yeah and so you know, focusing on that and bringing it out in people and saying like, hey, listen, 
you're great at client work. You're great with people. Did you know that you're good at sales? And sometimes they're like, no, I'm not. I'm X, Y, and Z. But, you know, uncovering that for them and sort of being a mirror for them to see and discover for themselves, I think is also really important too. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I think think you're hitting um, one of the, such a important kind of chord that, that comes up often in our conversations with others as well, which is the one of our one of our kind of pillars around all of this um, culture is is empowerment, and I think it's a word that's thrown around quite a bit. And I also think it's something that people don't quite understand, in my opinion, um, or or less people have experienced it than than you would think, because a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, I'm so empowered," um, but it's oftentimes just they're really good at their job and no one bothers them. And that's not, that's not how we kind of see empowerment, right? Empowerment is where, is, empowerment really comes out when you're exactly what you described today, is when you're actually kind of in an environment that allows you and even sometimes pushes you to do things that are not in your comfort zone. And you're set up for success by those around you, like you mentioned a mentor or empower, you know, empowerment comes from those relationships and behaviors that kind of lead people into those spaces where they're unsure of themselves, um, untested, and it sees them through it, um, success or failure. Um, it sees them through it to the best of their, their capabilities and it grows them through it as well. And not everybody has that. A lot of people feel empowered nowadays, um, but, but in a very comfortable place, which I argue is not true empowerment. It's not the potential, if you will. It's still good. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, just that you're not, the potential has not been tapped in that type of empowerment. I think that's a great point. There is a sense of, to me, proper empowerment, and I think this is what you're saying, has a certain layer of discomfort, you know, Mm -hmm. the ability to be uncomfortable. That to me is true empowerment, right? When you're Mm -hmm. sort of like fumbling around being like, oh, is this going to work? And then if it works, then you're like, oh, man, I did it. It worked. You know, and talk about talk about a rush, right? That that's that's such a great feeling. And if I can provide that to someone, I'm like, nailed it. You know, I don't yeah. I don't have to do anything because that's sort of like that that pleasure that you feel and and what you're capable of accomplishing um, is is immense, right? Yeah. And and the reason I'm so um, hung up on the theme of empowerment from what I'm hearing in your organization is that um, one of the biggest impacts of empowerment when you get it right in your culture is the impacts that kind of come out on the other side, especially in services-based organizations. When the people are the ones out there um, getting it done um, and providing that actual service for others, uh, this is where it really shines. So I was, curi- I was curious if you have any, uh, to put you on the spot, but you know, the any stories or anything you can think of sharing of where um, that type of empowerment or just the culture and behaviors you have for each other in general kind of play out as uh, in, in your, for your clients in, in the output? Well, I think it, it was kind of living that the last two years. Uh, we are in the event space, which you might have heard has been a little bit affected by the downturn. global pandemic. Just right, a right. Smidge. Just a, a smidge, just a smidge. Um, let's see, I think, well, in terms of empowerment and the work that we've done for our clients, it also ladders back to the team. And I think, so last year we saw growth, 
right? And I, I'm knocking on wood because this year we're also seeing growth. I'm knocking on wood again because <laughs> who who has done that, right? Like who is lucky enough to be able to say that? And I I know it's not just luck because I know the amount of hard work that went into it. And I'm so proud of our mighty, mighty team for that. And I think the example I'm going to bring to the table right now is is a testament of that. So last Last year, I'm like, wait, what year is it? Yes, in the year 2020, we had an election, yep. right? I'm like, what, what, what are we living in? Um, the year 2020, we had an election and our team was tasked with, uh, we worked with a company called Impactual and also Pizza to the Pole to create a nationwide event to help voters essentially there are polling sites around the country that are notorious for long lines so in order to increase voter turnout we're like what if we bring water <laughs> and pizza to these polling places so that when people are waiting in line for three four five hours you know they they can wait in order to vote versus you know what i'm gonna go get lunch because this line is insane right so we did that last year. That was our mighty team throughout the entire nation. And we were able to make a difference, you know? And so I think breaking, again, the passion that we have, so internally empowering our team for making mistakes or really leaning into their strengths or whatever. We, we make everyone take Gallup Strengths Finder. Have you, have you all done this? Heard of it. Have you heard of this? It. Yes. Yeah. Well, so the, the thinking behind it is that people are innately strong in certain aspects. And if you have a team of people that are all working in their strengths, then you have a chance of having uh, a team of all stars versus if you work on the things that you're really bad at, you know, best you can probably hope for is mediocrity, right? So instead, pivot into focusing on the things that folks are innately good at and then just like, just keep feeding that, right? And so with this particular job, I think we really leaned into that because 2020, November, you know, we were all just kind of like, what even is happening? Um, what is What does work look like for our industry? What does it mean to have an in-person gathering? What does it mean for safety? What does it mean for the democracy, right? Um, and so it was one of those moments where we're just so proud of how that project went, so proud of the work that we did, which was an immense amount of work. and looking back on it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it, it, it was a haze for us, but at the other side of it, we're like, wow, we, we really, we pulled it off. Not only did we pull it off, it was hugely successful. And that client is so happy that they're coming back over and over again, you know? So in terms of what you were talking about in the book of love is a business strategy and putting it first and then seeing the returns on the other side, I think that's a great example of it because with what we've done with Tinsel, over two thirds of our clients are repeat and wow. even more a referral, right? Mm -hmm. So that type of organic growth, you can't fake it because right. for what we do, you're really in the trenches with people. And if, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, if you don't like who you're working with, it's not gonna be a good event. Um, and I can say that for many things beyond just experiential, right? You know, I think it's, it's funny you say that because in hosting Seneca Leaders events all around the world and having to basically spend 24 hours a day with people to pull these things off. If you don't like the folks, you go have yourself a bad time. 
So there, it's not there's, gonna be good. Yeah, there's something. Good. There's something to say of looking forward to spending time with people that know you care, right? Especially in the event space where you are. I, I can imagine when you're having a, pulling off a big event, the mm-hmm. the two weeks, maybe two months. I'm not sure what the what the countdown time is leading up to that event is. 100% focused and dedicated. Work hours go out the window. Everything is just focused on delivering, right? Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's something to be said about care. There's something to be said about about um, you know, empowering people and trusting them to get the work done when you're basically just 100% of the time spending time with them. Right. And that's also why to me the multifaceted thing of being a human is hyper critical. It's one of those, because as you said, when work hours go out the window, when stress hits the fan, you're going to be who you are, regardless of whatever facade you think you're putting on, right? Yeah, it's, off. So it's gone now. It's, it's gone. You're not sleeping. It's one of those things where, as you said, like Fast and the Furious, that's, it's sort of the timeline for an event. You know, you can right. do all of the planning, but at the end of the day, it always hits a climax where, Hey, it's showtime curtains up. You know, there, there's a reason why it's called production. Mm, that's good. I, I'm wondering what advice would you give to other business leaders that are far enough along in their careers that they understand that it's okay to break the mold of what you thought you were supposed to do and the, the structure and status quo of entering a workforce and only doing the certain thing at a young, like the younger generation, what would you say as as advice to you know folks that are business leaders that that know that bringing a wider variety of skill sets to work is more valuable than being focused on one particular thing how would how would you communicate that to them and and help them understand different ways of empowering their younger team members and the younger generation to see that it's okay to do in their own workplace I think it's always important to lead by example, because then you make the mistakes yourself and then you can learn and calibrate what you're, mm. you know, how to approach your team. Right. So to me, I'm always a big proponent of like, if the person hasn't done it themselves then why should I take their advice? And that's great. I, yeah. you know, I feel that for, for many things. Um, so in terms of what I would say to, folks that are exploring this, I think one, figure it out for yourself first, right? Like if you are, um, oh, here's a good example. I, a lot of people come up to me and they're like, hey, listen, I'm not creative. I'm like, hmm, why, why do you say that? You know, what, what leads you to believe that about yourself? <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not a designer. I'm, I'm not an artsy person. I've never taken an art class. I don't have an art degree, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, Creativity isn't limited to that, you know, like to me, the way you circumnavigated a problem and solved it in a way that I didn't think about or anybody else thought about, and you brought creativity to that problem. So really the the issue here is not that you're not creative, it's that you don't think you're creative, right? So there is first you have to believe that in yourself. And then once you once you see that and you're like, oh, maybe I am creative. And in the, my previous example, oh, maybe I am good at sales. You know, maybe I will ask my friend that works at X company if they would be interested in working at Consult, right? And that is a very salesperson move. But if you're 
you know, if you don't think of yourself in that light, then you're not going to do it, right? And if you don't think of yourself in that light, then Tinsel as a company is not going to benefit from that added revenue. Um, and so I think my advice is then first to try it out for yourself and see, and mm. see how it feels and, and feel that discomfort yourself, as Jeff was saying, in terms of empowerment, feel that discomfort yourself, because then, then you'll know what people are thinking, or like that voice that you hear inside your head that doubts you, then you can push through that. And then you can sort of act like a guide or, you know, make it feel like you're psychic when you're trying to get your team to do the same. Because then you're talking right. to people and then they're like, oh my God, that's exactly what went through my head. It's like, yeah, I know because that's what went through my head. You know? <laughs> um, but I think that would be my, my first piece of advice. So like first start with yourself and then, and then see what you can do in terms of guiding other folks. I love that. that final question for you today, just to zoom back out. Um, what does love as a business strategy, not not the book or the podcast. I mean, like, what does love in a business context mean to you personally? I think it's um it's twofold for me. The first one is sort of what we've been talking about for the bulk of this conversation of that interpersonal love and knowing the people that you surround yourself with as more than just transactional work tasks. You know, like knowing how they are at home, knowing what matters to them, knowing knowing what they want in life. Like, why why are they working with you? Why are we all doing this crazy event together at the end of the day? You know, what makes what makes them tick? So I think that to me is the first sense of love, and not to get into like the whole Greek words of love, but um, the second to me that is really crucial for me personally is the sense of love and like a deeper understanding of your own passion and your own purpose. Because especially in entrepreneurship and in business building, sticking to your core beliefs as a human and building around that and using that as your true north, as they say, makes, makes this nonlinear path much more manageable. You know, it's never gonna be easy, but at least if you, if you're true to yourself, and that's the other thing, you have to be honest with yourself. You can't be like, oh, I want to help the world. And at the end of the day, you want to want to help the world, right? <laughs> but being true to yourself too, and being brutally honest with yourself, that type of love, I think is also crucial. So to me, it's, it's both. And having a leader at the helm of a company espouse those two kinds, I think you've got the beginnings of something good that you know can then hopefully scale. I love that. I love that second piece uh, of your definition there. I think it's so important, um, often missed. So I think finding that that love, almost self-love a little bit uh, within your your business like values and in your business kind of plan is 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 huge. I love that. That thank you so much for taking the time today and sharing your story, your perspective, your passions. It was it's really awesome to see. It was so kind of, much fun. Yeah, the the connective tissue as well. It felt like it felt like we're in different worlds, but um, so much of what you said felt like, oh yeah, good point. We we see the same exact thing here. It's wild. Uh, but uh, really appreciate the time you spent today with us. Thank you to the listeners as well, and. Um, 
as always, we're all in sales. So as I'm in sales right now, Jeff is in sales. please, Jeff is please in sales. check out our book, Love is a Business Strategy. Uh, still a best-selling book on Wall Street Journal lists. And yes, the debt's holding one. Frank's holding one. Mine's back there. There, and, there it is. Um, there it is. Yeah. And um, please keep listening to the podcast. We love having you here. If there's something you like, you don't like, let us know uh, in the, in the, in a review or, you know, just come talk to us. We love this conversation. So with that, thank you, Frank, for joining as well. And we hope everyone has a wonderful day. See you next week.